I am going to get into the Word and finish out what I started last Sunday. I pray you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family. I want to finish this Word out this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, same, same scripture we read last Sunday, verses 16 through 18. New Living Translation. Always, shout always. Always be joyful. Never, shout never. Never stop praying. Be thankful, shout thankful. In all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Today I want to preach the second part in this sermon series, Give Thanks. Today I want to talk about advance. I'll explain what that means here in just a little bit. Father, I thank you once again for all of these wonderful, precious people that are assembled together in your house for worship today. Lord, I know that uh, in this one service, we don't have everybody that attends here. There's still folks that are out of town for the holiday. And Lord, uh, we... we pray that you would keep them safe. Uh, and Lord, I pray that throughout the remainder of this service, Lord, you would remove the distractions that would hinder us from hearing your word that, and receiving your word. I pray, Lord, you'd anoint our ears to hear what you're speaking to your people today. Anoint our hearts that we'll receive it. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay, that I would not speak my words at all. I would just declare the word that you've given me to share. And that, Lord, I wouldn't speak with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but that your word would come forth today in the power and the demonstration of your spirit. Lord, I pray that we'd leave this place with uh, a, another revelation today on living a thankful life and what it truly means to give thanks and how that can change our lives. And Lord, I believe it's going to connect and relate to how we as believers reach this harvest that you are giving us to reach. I give you thanks and praise for that today in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to talk a little bit quickly. Last week, I'm going to bring you up to date. We talked about moving from thanksgiving to thanksgiving, actually giving and expressing our thanks. And we do this by focusing our thanks and making sure we focus on God, but also focusing on the people uh, that God uses in our lives by expressing our thanks, verbalizing our thanks to them and articulating our thanks. And this is so that we live up to the standard that God's people should be the most thankful people on the planet. Somebody say amen. But if we're not diligent and disciplined, uh, focused thanks can quickly and unconsciously become seasonal thanks. Thanks that's only practiced once a year when we're reminded to do so. And it's only acted upon occasionally. And that's why I also want to challenge you to move further today on this journey in your spiritual maturity. And that's where a lot of us are. We've seen close to 60 people saved this year and close to 40 rededicate their lives. And I want us to move forward on this journey of our spiritual maturity and begin to live our lives by giving thanks in advance. That's what we're talking about today. And that's an entirely different outlook uh, or level of thanks. Well, the point, that's the point that we move beyond uh, thanksgiving and we begin to practice thanks living, living our lives in a state of thanks. Uh, and this is captured in the conversation between Paul and the Thessalonians in our main text, but I want to read it to you again from the message translation. It reads this way, be cheerful no matter what. That's hard to do. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you to belong to Christ Jesus, those of you who belong to Christ Jesus, to live. And those three verses represent the pinnacle 
of advanced thanks that I'm talking about this morning. Paul assures us that this is how Jesus himself wants us to live. The New Living Translation says that this is God's will for us. It's occurred to me that in this modern Christian society that we find ourselves living in today, there's a lot of talk about the pursuit of God's will for our life. Everybody's looking for God's will for their life. And people are trying this, they're trying that. Some are fasting, which is good. They're praying. Uh, they're asking for opinions. Sometimes that don't work out so well. Some are seeking counsel. But all the time, God's will, hear your pastor this morning, God's will for your life is already clearly outlined and spelled out in his word. Can I get an amen this morning? His will for us is to make progress, to continually be moving forward to graduate, if you will, or advance in our thanks. Philippians 4, 10 through 13, New Living Translation, Paul said, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Uh, that's a whole message right there. I know how to live on almost nothing. Somebody say amen. Or with everything. If you're blessed, say Amen. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Can I submit to you this morning that if you have Jesus Christ in your life, you've got everything you need to make it this morning. And I'm not much of one to, to look at formulas necessarily when studying the Word of God, but I believe that Paul provides us with a formula this morning to get to this place of true thankfulness in our lives. And we've got, we got to ma uh, master this formula in order to advance. There's a process here. Somebody say, it's a process. Pastor Darla's with her family this weekend and Dwight and their children, but she preached a message here not long ago titled, It's a Process, and it was a great message. We're going to talk about a process this morning. We learn how to practice thanksgiving to the point of thanks living if we'll walk through this process. Three things. First of all, your outlook. Say outlook. Paul's first instruction in this scripture was on our outlook. He said, always be thankful. The King James Version says, rejoice always. Or as the message puts it, the message translation, be cheerful no matter what. Uh, I'm convinced that most of us will struggle to get to this level of thanks because most of us don't get past first base. The first instruction that he gave us in this passage of Scripture. But Paul is adamant that your outlook will directly affect the other two steps that succeeded. We've got to come to the level of maturity where our life is marked by rejoicing or cheerfulness. Nobody likes to be around a complainer. Nobody enjoys it unless you're one yourself. Then you put a few complainers together. And it's a song off a of hee-haw, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Paul understood the power in joy. Somebody say joy. Nehemiah 8 and 10, I didn't give you this one for the screen, but the word said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's our strength. And if we know our strength is founded and rooted in joy, then why is it we struggle to, uh, to intently rejoice or be cheerful? It's a choice that you have to make. Could it be that if we've allowed all the time, we allow what's going on around us to affect what's going on inside of us? 
But the word of God said, you are not, you are in this world, but you don't have to be of this world. The Apostle Paul said, if I had hope in this life only, I'd be among all men most miserable. But my hope, thank God, is not in this life. My hope is in Jesus Christ. I want you to take a moment this morning and evaluate your level of rejoicing or cheerfulness. Your individual level of rejoicing or cheerfulness. Would anyone say that that passage of Scripture describes you? Or would they say that you are... Don't anybody look at their spouse. Would they say that you are grumpy, cranky, resentful, or maybe even depressed or oppressed? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 8, Paul said, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down. Anybody ever feel like the devil is hunting you down? But we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, somebody say, that's what this is all about. As God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great, look at that, thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. That's what happened this morning through these testimonies. God got the glory. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every single day. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. I feel the Lord this morning. So we don't look at the troubles around us that we can see, rather we fix our eyes, our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things which we now see will soon be gone, but the things that we've not yet seen will last forever. Paul was big on rejoicing. In Philippians, he repeats this same formula from our main text, almost verbatim. To an entirely different audience, and in this passage, he doubles down on rejoicing. In verse 4, he said, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I will say it again, rejoice. I just want to say this, and I'll move on to point 2. Perhaps you would be able to be more marked by thanks if you were first marked by rejoicing. If you would rejoice. To rejoice, you have to have an outward focus and adjust your sight to what is right rather than the things that are wrong. Are there any rejoicers in the house today? Anybody say, I choose to rejoice. That's setting you up to give thanks in advance. Secondly, we talked about our outlook. Now let's talk about our inlook. Say, inlook. That's the second step in this process. It deals with our inlook. And Paul says here, pray always. Pray always. Continually, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. That's a whole message on anxiety right there. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. I'm preaching to somebody this morning who's going through something in your life that you're focused on. But if you'll not worry, I feel the Lord prompted me to say that this morning. If you will not worry, but instead you'll pray about it, tell God what you need, thank Him for what He's already done, verse 7, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, here's what it does, it'll guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. In the message Translation, it says it this way, and I didn't give this one to him. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of our life. Paul is challenging those there to have a different inlook. If we're not careful, we will often mistake worry for prayer. I've heard some prayer requests that were the most depressing things I've ever heard in my life. Anybody ever been there? That's not the way we're supposed to pray. Paul tells us to pray, but praying reminds us that we're not alone. It's good to pray with other believers. Because listen, folks, we got somebody working on our behalf. Even when you can't see it, he's working. Even when you can't feel it, He's working. He never stops working. Somebody say amen. He's working on our behalf. Not only is he somebody, he's somebody with power, provision, protection, and he's got our best interest in mind. Here's what's going on, though. There's a war going on on the inside of us. Worry is an invading force that only Jesus can overthrow. But through prayer, Jesus dethrones worry, and the result, you'd be amazed, is thankfulness. When the worry is gone. If our outlook is right, but our inlook is focused. You hear me when I preach this. If our outlook is right, but our inlook is focused on our ability, our works, our positioning, and our power, then we'll never experience what we are missing of God in our lives. We'll live defeated as long as the focus is on us. I can't do anything without Jesus. But with Jesus, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. My question for you this morning is this. Could it be that we lack the ability to live thankfully because we lack the ability to pray continually? I'm convinced that to advance in thanks, we've got to learn to have a constant and consistent dialogue in our inner man. Listen, while you're washing dishes, Pray. While you're cleaning your house, ladies, and I hope you clean your house. If you don't, don't invite me over. Amen. But while you're cleaning your house, pray. While you're working on your job, pray. It'll help that job situation. While you're dealing with them children, come on, mamas, pray. While you're driving down the road, oh me, oh me. I'll say oh me. Anybody else, anybody else suffer with road rage? While you're driving down the road, pray. While you're listening to the preacher, pray. And if you are a preacher, while you're preaching the Word, pray. Listen, we can't designate prayer times and let ourselves fail to develop a constant prayer life. I talk to Jesus all the time. Sometimes when something hits me wrong, immediately I'm just like, uh-oh, you're going to have to help me here. 
Pray constantly. Instead of trying to find, and we're guilty of this in the church, instead of trying to always find somebody else to talk to about it, try talking to Jesus about it. He listens better, and he's the only one that can change it anyway. I'm reminded of the old song. The songwriter penned the words, What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. But listen to what he said. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we, it's us, do not carry everything to God in prayer. It doesn't matter what it is. What matters is that whatever it is, you can take it to the Lord in prayer. And thirdly, this morning, our uplook. Say uplook. This final step is our goal. It's the epitome of living thankfully. Paul said, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks no matter what happens. Listen, that's a tall order. You try somebody in your family getting a bad diagnosis. That's a tall order. You try losing your job and being without an income. That's a tall order. You try your spouse walking off and leaving you. Because you're serving God and they don't want to, but yet you're supposed to be thankful. That's a tall order. Somebody say amen. But Paul said, give thanks no matter what happens. That seems impossible sometimes, but give thanks anyway. Listen to me this morning. Can I suggest to you that this level is not only possible, but according to Paul, it's God's will for how you live your life. Instead of letting your flesh take over, when the car breaks down, Give thanks. When somebody does something to you that hurts you, give thanks. When somebody does something that affects your life in a negative way, go ahead and give thanks. Give thanks because they did it? No. Give thanks because God is good anyway and God will work it together for your good. I'm reminded of Joseph. Joseph had the opportunity and that's not even in my notes, but to take out revenge on his brothers. And when he was given, see, some of y'all are living thinking, oh, they're going to get theirs. Some of y'all won't help me preach right now. Uh-oh, he's on my toes. I mean, I've heard it before from Christian people. They're going to get what's coming to them. They're going to get theirs. Listen, if you live your life that way, the only person you're hurting is yourself. But when you say, God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to work it out for my good. When jo- you'll do like Joseph. When he was given the opportunity to pay his brothers back and take out revenge, he said, no, no, no. What you meant for evil against me, God turned it around and worked it for my good. And that's what God will do for you if you'll live that way. But can I tell you, this level is... Not only possible, but according to Paul, it's God's will for how we live our lives. And somebody says, well, then why don't we get there, Pastor? And I'm almost done. I told you I was going to preach an abbreviated message. I'm going to answer that question with a question this morning. Did you get your high school diploma without completing elementary school first? Anybody? Listen. 
This walk, and I'm preaching to some new converts in this house today, and I'm well aware of that. The Lord's dealing with, with me about that on a regular basis. This walk is a progression. You saw some people give some cardboard testimonies this morning that are, you saw some seasoned, but you saw some that are babies in Christ. Let me remind you of something this morning. Support them. Somebody help me preach. Love them. Pray for them. Applaud them. Cheer them on. And then when they fall, love on them. Pray for them. Let them know they're accepted and loved. Help them get back up. I said help them get back up. God now, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God never called anybody in the church to sit on a throne and judge and say, no, honey, you don't do this. No, honey, you don't do that. No, God called you to love them, pray for them, disciple them, get them back up. God's not willing that anybody should perish, but that all should have eternal life. Help them get back up. Because I've said this before, you'll hear me say it at least a thousand times if you attend here very long. Salvation is instantaneous. When you ask God to forgive you, it's done. When you invite Him into your heart and repent of your sins, it's done. But sanctification is a process. We got to walk through it. And it's our job to walk through it with them together. You got to go through some stuff before you graduate. Anybody with me? You got to learn some things before you get your degree and before you can advance to the next level. So rejoicing, again, is your outlook. Praying is your inlook. And the result of those two things is your uplook, which is not affected by the circumstances around you in this life. Hear me when I say this. When everything in my life goes wrong, if I have learned to master rejoicing and praying, then suddenly my heart is so full of thanks that I'll live in a thankful state. I can face the worst day that life can throw at me and remain faithful and thankful because my eyes are fixed. My heart is fixed. My hope is fixed. I was never promised it was going to be easy, but I was promised that he'd see me through it all the way to the end. I was never promised I wouldn't get a bad diagnosis, but I was promised if I did, he'd walk me through it. And, and as we've seen this morning, some of them received complete, I said complete healing. We're not promised that we won't go through it. But we are promised he'll go through it with us every single step of the way. In Philippians, Paul goes on to explain that that's how it works. He says, when we rejoice and then pray, the peace of God sets a guard on our hearts and minds. If I've ever seen a time in the world when we need a guard on our mind, it's today. Somebody say amen. Your rejoicing in your prayer causes the peace of God to take watch over your heart and your mind. We learn to give thanks in all things, just like Job did. Job said, yet though he slay me, I will trust him. How's that possible, Pastor? Advance thanks. When we advance to the point that what is going on around us has no bearing on what's taking place inside of us. 
Paul said in Acts chapter 20, none of these things move me. Romans 38, my last scripture, and they can come to the music this morning. Romans 8, 38 and 39, Paul said, I'm convinced that nothing, say nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, which are real. Somebody say amen. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Shout nothing. Nothing can separate us from his love. Is anybody thankful for that this morning? Don't get the lights just yet, but stand with me all over the house. We've got some graduates in here today. We've got some people in here today that have been through some stuff. We've got some people in here today that have been through some things that should have set them back. I'm one of those people. I've shared my testimony with you before. I'm not going to share it this morning but almost died before I turned 31 because the enemy wanted me out of the ministry and he thought that's the way to get it to happen. There's other people in this room this morning that have been through things that you cannot even imagine. They've graduated. They've learned. We may go through some stuff, but if we'll stick close to Jesus, Jesus will stick close to us. And there's some people in this room today that'll be a role model for you. I'm talking to some of you that are just beginning your walk with the Lord or maybe just rededicated your life to the Lord. They'll be a role model for you. Living proof that this level of living is possible. And it's something that we should all strive and push to attain. Now you can get the lights, Trevor. So I want to ask you this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room today, what a beautiful, beautiful crowd. We have a one Sunday service because half the people are gone and look around this room. You may be sitting there today though and you say, Pastor, I heard this message and I want to live life that way. But I'm not 100% certain that if I went out into eternity today, I'm not 100% sure that I would make it to heaven. The state and the condition that I'm in in my life right now, I'm not 100% certain that I would make heaven my home. I'm just not positive. With nobody looking around, would you be man or woman enough? I'm not going to call you out or single you out. But would you be man or woman enough to just slip up your hand and put it back down and say, that's me. Thank you, young lady. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. My goodness. Church, would you begin to pray? There was at least eight or ten hands across this room. I want to tell you something this morning. I appreciate the fact that you've sat here and listened to a message on thanks and a harvest that's coming. Huh. But I want to tell you something. What you may not have realized this morning, you are part of the harvest. Let me say that again. If you lifted your hand in this room this morning, you are part of the harvest that was prophesied about in this house today. What do you mean, Pastor? The only difference between you and the people seated around you 
that didn't have to lift their hands because they know where they're going today is one decision. It's only difference, one decision. And this room is full of people this morning that will testify with me to you. If you lifted your hand this morning, I want to tell you Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house this morning. So I'm begging with you. I'm pleading with you right now. With nobody looking around, if you lifted your hand, I want to tell you, you can come to this altar today and leave knowing that if you go out into eternity today, knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that you'll make heaven your home. But the first step that you've got to take is your step down to this altar. So if you lifted your hand this morning, would you just take a step from where you are and just go ahead and make your way toward this altar this morning? Come on. If you lifted your hand, thank you, young lady. Could I get somebody to pray with her? Come on. Thank you, young man. Thank you, young lady. Could I get some folks to pray with them? Thank you. Come on. All over this room. Move. If that was you, if you lifted your hand, move out from where you are. There was some others that raised their hand. You've not moved yet. Don't go out into eternity today not knowing if you'd make heaven your home. You can know where you're headed when you leave here today. I'm going to give you one more opportunity. Move out from where you are if you lifted your hand. Come to this altar this morning. One more opportunity. Don't leave here not knowing. You can know before you leave here today. You're part of the harvest. Sister McKitty come to tell us about this morning. Now, the rest of you, you can look at me. We're getting ready to open this altar. You can come pray with these if you want, but I want those of you that will, as many that are able, if God has saved you and you know you're ready, find you a place somewhere in this altar this morning and give God some thanks. Give Him some praise. Repent of your complaining. Come on. Repent of not being thankful and say, God, I'm thankful this morning. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you.